This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You know, I, the, sorry about that. <laughs> that was not the Peak Buster making the noise. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's the yeah. 2019 Peak Buster yeah, right there. Yeah, it'll be uh, Ace the Bat Hound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should not be barking. Yeah, and be looking yeah at we've got like a, there's like a, so there's some party or some bullcrap happening across the street and there's like cars lined up and whenever there's anybody across the street, he just gets upset. <laughs> and so there's way more activity than there normally is. And so every time the new car pulls up, he's like, I got to bark at it. <laughs> <clears throat> Look at these people. They're going to oh, be in our gosh. yard. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. For real. But, uh. Sorry about that. Uh, but the thing I was going to say was that... Um, you don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake. We will follow his journey in the pages of the 90s 2000 ongoing Robin series and other notable comics of that era. We will also take a look at other Tim Drake appearances in DC Comics, new and old, to find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. <laughs> Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and I'm not alone on this one. This is really cool. Welcome to episode 88. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. You're home for all things Batman and Robin, whom we're celebrating 80 years and 35 for our character. 35, 30 for our character, if you can believe it. We're a part of the BatmanUniverse.net. We're also part of Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. You get a hold of us on all the social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know where to look us up. You can email into the show at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. And we are also on YouTube. Search for the name as well. I'm your host, Rob, and it is a full house today. All the Drakes are back from there. Christmas vacation is over. Everybody's returned to the school of the Drake. We've got Terrence and Ryan both on the mic today. So let's just go right to Terrence first. Terrence, how you been? I, I think your name is still Terrence, yes? It, it is. Yeah, you should play that like Slim Shady. Guess who's back? back again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the real Terrence, not the yeah. other real Terrence. <laughs> it, it's been a while, but yeah, thanks for picking up the slack. I had a really, really 
crazy November and December and just to try to carve out time to do the podcast with you guys. I didn't want to hold you guys up, so thanks for doing it. And it was fun to listen to some podcasts that I wasn't on. And it's like I was telling you before, we started recording. It's surreal to listen to a podcast and then hear them start talking about you or or mention you. It's it's fun. Yeah. Oh, my wife and kids went away for a couple days to visit some family. And I had the house to myself, and I was able to watch Deadpool 2, Avengers Infinity War, I uh, saw Aquaman <laughs> and I saw Teen Titans go to the movie, so I've like caught up. Oh my man, movie nice watching, did. yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun, and I love them all. Actually, I thought all of them were great. Teen Titans yeah. go to the movies is super good. It's hilarious. Yeah. Crack an egg on it, caca. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those going. The to Shia movies. LaBeouf joke just came out of nowhere. <sighs> yeah, and I was just dying, dying laughing. I think I've watched it at least two or three times at home, just in. You know, I'll put something on while I'm, you know, sorting through comics or doing whatever. And about partway through, I stop doing whatever it is that I'm doing because there's little references that I'm still picking up on. And I remember taking my wife to this and she's going, the Teen Titans go that crazy cartoon. I'm like, yeah, I hope it's good. I hope it's not an hour's worth of annoying. And we laughed the entire way through. I was telling Tara, it's the scene that she thought, don't know if we should be laughing at this, is when they have to go back in time and refix Oh my gosh, that, that was hilarious. And then through the Waynes back in Crime Alley, she's like, that is so funny, but wrong at the same time. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Ryan, how was uh, yeah, your well, Christmas and New Year since... Technically, we recorded right before Christmas doing right Mask before. of the Phantasm. Yeah. Yeah. Did we talk about Christmas ornaments and stuff like that yet? No. That that we was didn't. the other thing I've been waiting for, not being able to talk to the two of you guys mm. to hear about the Christmas ornaments. Yes. So everybody listening, let's just pretend you're still putting up your tree, and let's hear yes. the Christmas ornaments that Terrence and Ryan got. I got one. Mine's. I'll go first because mine's the quickest. I got the Rebirth <laughs> Batman. So yeah. there. That, that's my Christmas ornaments for the yeah. year. Now the Terrence and Ryan ornament Christmas show. Uh, go, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, so that was easily the biggest Batman thing I did this year was, was getting all – I got all of the Hallmark ornaments but one. The only one I didn't get was like the, the DC Superhero Girls Batgirl one, and I don't really know if you – count that one because i kind of don't so yeah i mean hallmark went absolutely nuts this year and made like a bajillion ornaments batman ornaments the limited edition one was the 60s riddler and you could only get it in store and i got it like early when they came out in store so that was probably the one of the cooler ones there was that there was the rebirth batman I think there might have been one or two other ones, but, but oh, there were there were like small like um, Justice League ones too. I think uh, this year, and I got the uh, the big cool one was the Batman Peak Buster, which is the bat signal with Batman on top of it with a Santa That's hat on. Awesome! And every time you walk by it, Batman like berates you for trying to like peek at the presents. And are you serious? Open the presents? Yeah. Son he's of a like gun. he's like when Santa Claus can't be here. <laughs> there's only one person who can stop you from looking at presents. It's Batman. You know, he says, he says things like that. <laughs> uh, he's like, I'm justice. I'm the knight. I'm the, I'm the protector of presents. <laughs> so stuff like that. But what's awesome is like, so we only put up one tree this year and it was a Batman tree. And if you go on a, uh, either my Twitter or uh, Batman on films, Instagram, you can see like video and, you know, pictures of the Batman tree I made it was nothing but Batman ornaments on it. You know, Nora is only 
you know, a year, almost a year and a half now. And she loved the tree so much. Every time she would, she, the Batman peak buster didn't face her at all. She actually liked it. She liked hearing Batman talk to her. So every time she would walk towards the tree, she would be like, hi, Batman. Hi, Batman. <laughs> and, uh, she would dance around to the, cause we've got the 89 Batmobile. And every time you press the button on that, it plays the 89 Batman theme and she mm-hmm. would dance to that and stuff. So I think she thinks Christmas is more about Batman than, uh, <laughs> Well, than, uh, than our Lord and Savior, but <laughs> at the moment, but uh, it's all good. Batman tree. I nice. think I might have missed an ornament too, Terrence. Yeah, uh, well, I can be as simple as Rob's in that if you look at the Hallmark book, I got everything that was related <laughs> except for the Millennium Falcon from the solo movie. I didn't get that one. Um, mm. But yeah, you got a two for one with one of those, right? There was like a Chewy Han combo. Yeah, Chewy. I had my wife is really into the Hallmark ornaments, the and so I have like if you go to the ornament premiere weekend, you get like special bonuses to then go to the next one and the next one. So I I'd gotten a bunch of stuff early, and then I had a list of like okay, these are the ornaments that I will get the day after Christmas at fifty percent off, and then these are the ones that I can wait till seventy five off, and the Millennium Falcon was on the 75 list and I I didn't see it around but I didn't really like that movie and I have like three or four other Millennium Falcons from like the real movie <laughs> quote unquote and, I, <laughs> and so uh I wasn't too too sad about oh that gosh. yeah the um I'm trying there was the Joker Lego Batman oh I got that one that was I think yeah. the only one you didn't mention and he goes great with the Lego Batman yeah, yeah. but I have seen even this past week, the Rebirth Batman, the Peak Buster Batman, and the Joker Lego Batman in the Hallmark stores for seventy five percent off still. So they're they're. I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, I mean, I know yeah, they're really good. Areas have different supplies, and mm-hmm. each Hallmark is kind of independently owned, except for there are corporate stores. Uh, so each Hallmark does their own ordering. So depending on what the owner of a local store decided to order, but there are a lot of Hallmark Facebook groups and the store owners will post like pictures of what they have left and they'll ship them to you and what the discount is and stuff. So there's still a lot of the Batman stuff out there for a good price. I may have to check that out. I had no idea uh, that the peak buster talked. I, I, I didn't, I probably should have picked up on the title. Of yeah. it, but I, I saw it and I'm like, oh, that looks cool. But it's, my wife's like, which one do you want? She's like, they got a cool bat signal. I was like, oh, let's get with let's go comic accurate. And I maybe I should have said the other, but still, it's not Kevin Conroy, but it's somebody doing a Kevin Conroy impression. So it has that kind of sound to it, and mm, it is pretty okay. funny. And they do a peak buster every year. Last year was a stormtrooper. Uh, the year oh, do they? That, they just made it to Batman this year? Yeah, huh. this year was Batman. Uh, the years before, they they had a Stormtrooper last year, and I forget which was which, but the last two years before that, one was Darth Vader and one was Yoda, and they're always wearing a Santa hat. And I think mm, the, oh, okay. the Darth Vader one, he's got a red cape to go with it, which I kind of like because if you're putting <laughs> it on a Christmas tree and it's Christmassy, I, I kind of like it to have a little bit of a, a Christmas a theme to it. So this yeah. Peak Buster Batman, I think, is wearing a Christmas hat on it, too. So it's kind yeah. of fun. Yeah. One thing I forgot to mention was, I think I, we talked about this on one of our last Christmas episodes, is that my mom I, my mom has this list of all the Batman ornaments I still don't have mm. from oh, cool. all the yeah. uh, Hallmark years past. So she always tries to get me at least one of them every year. And this year I got the, I think it was a 2006 Harley Quinn. That's just like your standard Harley Quinn with the mallet. And and it looks really good because I've got like the 
there's like a comic book Joker, I think, from maybe 2008-ish or something like that. And it and it looks really good with that one. So that was a good addition to the collection. And you got that this year, you said? Yeah. Yeah, that one's going for like 60 or 70 bucks on eBay. So that that's a pretty good score. Yeah. Well, speaking of collecting, one little last topic that I want to go into that yes i've been saying this year's is <laughs> tim tim drake's 80th or 80th excuse me, i'm gonna get it backwards tim drake's 30th anniversary and i'm this year i kind of want to pull out some books that maybe we're just typically not going to look at like one that's going to tie in we totally skipped over robin annual two for probably probably my fault that we skipped it so maybe we'll throw that in we've got detention comics to kind of go off the path a little bit from the robin books that we're following just to say hey here's some other cool tim drake stuff but it is also batman's 80th so the three of us have been doing this show essentially for five years now since batman 75 was going on that all of us kind of got together as a trio so it's been almost five years later now and here we are at batman's 80th and stuff is just starting to come out so i know terrence had said hey we've got a everybody at the beginning of every year goes okay we've got a bunch of stuff from this from x number mm-hmm. of years we need to downsize and get stuff and then i start looking at all this batman stuff that's going to be coming out i'm like man I already don't have room, and I'm hoping there's some cool stuff that's going to come out. Yeah, Detective Comics is going to hit 1,000 pretty soon here, and just with the other stuff that's coming out, it'd be great to hear casting news for Matt Reeves. Uh, That's going to hopefully go into production before too long. We'll start hearing some things. So is there anything on the horizon for you guys that you're like – Hoping to see here, is there stuff that you're already eyeing to buy? How many variant covers of Detective are you going to pick up? What are you planning on doing for Batman's 80th? I would imagine they'll probably have a Batman day this year in September oh, as yeah. well. So just get really quickly to talk about uh, uh, Batman's 80th and even Tim Drake's 80th, if, or excuse me, 30th. I'm going to get these confused. <laughs> if the, if there's a book or something, you're like, hey, it'd be really cool to do such and such. So uh, what do you got? I'll go first. I'm planning on getting all of the variants for Detective 1000 because that's just such a milestone. And, you know, I want to I want to do it up. <laughs> I got a I got a bunch I, uh, in 2018. I got a bunch of the things for uh for action comics a thousand but detective is like my, my jam right it's, it's batman so mm-hmm. i want to try to get all the 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 variants for detective a thousand and there's also that like 80 years of batman hardcover book that's yeah. coming out too so i have that pre-ordered and another thing on the comic horizon that we were talking about is that it is also i believe the 30th anniversary of batman year three and yes. i was really hoping that they were going to release like a, and they might still do it like a deluxe edition or something there is going to be it's I saw it on Marv Wolfman's post. There's going to be, I'm trying to think of the name of the book, Tales of the Cape Crusader, Volume 2. Yeah. Uh, and they, that happens to have, like, yes. Year 3 and Lonely Place, right? But, but, yeah, I really hope that Year 3 does get a proper... I need a know, deluxe release. edition that fits right alongside Year 1 and 2. That's what I really yeah. want. Because those, cause Year 2 just got its deluxe edition, I think, one or two years ago. So Right. And the other thing I really hope they do for Batman's 80th, which I, they have to do it, is um, I want 4K Blu-rays of at least Batman 89 and hopefully Batman Returns and maybe the rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, they uh, so that's what I'm really banking on. Like because this um, in 2018, of course, Superman's a year ahead of Batman. It was Superman's 80th, and they came out right. with the 4K, 4K of 
the Donner Superman the movie from the 70s. So I'm really hoping that, that this year or sometime in 2019 we'll get 4K remasters of at least Batman and Batman Returns. I, I would love to think that Rocksteady or Warner Brothers Montreal would do an announcement for a new, another open world game. I um, think we. I think this year is the year we're going to hear something. I would be surprised if it's out this year, but at least to yeah. have it be out in the public consciousness that yeah. there's been rumors of like could be Court of the Owls, you know, still set in that Arkham Origins timeline, or uh, Rocksteady's been coy and they're working on something else. So that's that's kind of my thing. Yeah, it's um, enough years have passed since Arkham Knight at this point. It's, right, it's been like four years. So like, man, they must be really close to announce at least announcing something. Yeah, that's that's what I would think. Um, I'm not as jazzed about a lot of the covers for Detective Comics 1000. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like only, the Bruce Tim one though. That one Bruce cool. Tim one looks really good. I'll definitely get the Jim Lee. But some of the latter ones, like the 90s version, I'm like, really? That's that's the cover you chose for? 90s. I know. Like it was so like. Come on. It doesn't really evoke the 90s that no. much. And I love Jacques' Make art. It, should have made it Azrael, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, something like that would have been would have been really good. Or a Bat family spread somewhere, since that was really prevalent in the 90s and 2000s. Jacques' cover looks really good, but it, up close face, I'm like, meh. I would have rather seen a full body shot or something. So I'm going to get a couple of them, but I'm not going to go crazy like I, with uh, uh, Superman. Is there anything uh, for you, Terrence, that you kind of hoping to hear or are you like i've got enough stuff i don't need any more stuff <laughs> yeah i've got so much stuff i, I kind of look at them like how many like little plastic objects how many funko pops yeah i'm trying to <laughs> got every time to make a funko pop like a uh, ball pit oh i could actually <laughs> like they have the funko pop tracker where you can like or a pop price guide where you can put in your pops oh, no. and see what they're going for, and it tells you the how fact many. that you even have to say that. I think means that you have too many. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, like I always, it tells you the total number, and, and my number is always over three hundred fifty. Oh, no. And I, keep, <laughs> oh, no, yeah, and I keep trying to sell oh, some, man. but then I keep like getting them, or I like forget, like, oh yeah, that's right, I had these ones over here, or I had this in my classroom, or I had, oh that's right, those are in the closet, I got to put them in. So every time I get rid of like three, I realize like, oh wait, there's four more over here, so. <laughs> They multiply. Um, yeah. But <laughs> they're gremlins. It, it looks like they're going to come out with special boxes for Batman's 80th with stickers. I sent you guys that text yesterday yeah. for yeah. The, yeah. the Dawnbreaker. Um, I am looking forward to DC Comics wrapping up some stuff they got going on, and I'm hoping it concludes in a way that I like because they've been really dark yeah. and dreary and gloomy. Mm-hmm. So the Heroes in Crisis and the Doomsday Clock storyline, which is kind mm. of – incorporates the whole universe i'm hoping that those will have really good conclusions that will springboard dc Mm -hmm. comics into some really good stories and directions wonder comics launch and how that's going i'm I'm really looking forward to and oddly enough i'm really kind of looking forward to the the joker movie even though when i first saw it i I know what is this i wasn't on board at first i was like this is not necessary and this looks uh and it just Little by little, it keeps creeping more into me of like, you know, I kind of I kind of want to see this. I kind of want to know what this is about. I kind of I, I really am intrigued by that. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good year all around. And like you mentioned, uh, Wonder Comics starting. So it was good to see Tim Drake finally 
in a comic again, and he looks cool. And we just yeah. come briefly. He's Robin. He's not yeah, Red Robin. And, he's Robin. Yeah. 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 And I think the coolest panel, he lands in the car, and somebody says, oh, you're Robin? And his one line is, one of them. So That's all just, you had to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, how hard I, was that? I, I don't need any explanation. I'm like, you can have two Flashes, two Wonder Girls, five million Green Lanterns. You know, for a while, there were two Batman running around. So you can have a couple Robins. And... We had talked on, you know, a little plug for the other show that Jay Oz and I were like, each of the current Robins serves a different purpose for a different thing. This is the the Tim Drake, older teen Robin that's more of a partner to Batman, and Damien's more of a partner to Dick Grayson, even though Bruce and Damien kind of obviously coexist with one another. He's always reverting back to Rick Grayson. Boo. That that needs fixed. Well, we're we're not, we're not gonna we're not gonna go there. But speaking, I mean, they need uh, to fix that new Superboy too. Bull. Oh, can I? I am re- looking forward to my mom signed me up for Ninja Camp this summer, so I can't wait to go to. That. Oh boy, oh, did you? <laughs> I I've been uh, talking to my wife about uh, doing some Ninja Camp. I need to lose a few pounds from the holidays. So uh, Ryan, why don't you just come to out in the Midwest somewhere? And all that sounds good. Us. And we'll just we'll do Ninja Camp. We'll get some. Is training. it part of that Batman conference? Yes, I think it's going to be part of Bowling Green <laughs> yeah. State University is going to have a Ninja Camp <laughs> going on out there. So what Terrence alluded to is we're going to talk about some Robin, some classic Chuck Dixon Robin in two comics today, uh, Robin Twenty One and Robin Twenty Two, and Tim going up against some ninjas, but he's going to do it at Ninja Camp. So we're going to play a couple promos when we get back. The three of us are going to talk about 21 and 22 of Robin. Welcome to the show. Justice League International, Bwahaha Podcast, a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spinoffs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter Batman Doctor Fate Black Canary Fire Ice Maxwell Lord Oberon Captain Marvel Rocket Red Captain Adam Mr. Miracle Guy Gardner Booster Gold Blue Beetle Nort And many, many more. Justice League International, Blahaha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Wanna make something of it? All right, the credits for Robin 21 and 22 read as follows. Robin 21 had a cover date of October 1995. The on-sale date was August 1st, 1995. The cover price was $1.95. The editor is Dennis J. O'Neill. The title is Shadows. Writer is Chuck Dixon. Penciler Mike Raringo. Inker Stan Woosh. The letter is Timothy Harkins. And the color is Adrian Roy. And the cover is brought to us by Tom Grummet. And the inker is Raymond Kreising. 
The credits for Robin 22 are cover date November 1995, the on sale date September 5th, 1995. Again, the cover price is $1.95. The title for this one, I Was a Teenage Ninja. The writer is Chuck Dixon, the penciler is Mike Rowingo, the inker is Stan Woosh, the letter is Timothy Harkins, and the colorist is Adrian Roy, and the cover for issue 22 is by Mike Rowingo and Terry Austin. And uh, for the expedience of time and everything that has gone on in the last a week with my family. I'm going to use DC Comics uh, fandom.com or the DC Wikia for the synopsis for these two issues. The synopsis for Shadows for 21 read as follows. Tim Drake has some explaining to do when Mrs. McElvey discovers Ariana in his bed, but he has slept in a spare room and Dana is in the house. It's his father who ends up blushing. Robin later gets on a trail of the gang of ninja thieves and surmising that they are being trained and recruited at a ninja camp. He gets himself sent off there. The synopsis for Robin 22, I Was a Teenage Ninja, reads... At the ninja camp, Robin, disguised as Alvin Draper, uncovers the evidence of the sensei's illegal activities that he needs. When Jack and Dana come to pick Tim up, they have some bad news for him. Ariana and her family are leaving Gotham. Okay, we're back. There was the uh, synopsis and all the, you know, jargon that... uh who wrote what we're still under the uh, Dixon Raringo era of Tim. And who do we have on the front cover, but uh, Tom Grummet. So I had forgotten that this was yeah. a Tom, Tom Grummet cover on 21. And it made me think for a moment, Oh, did Grummet do this? And I realized, no, it's still Raringo, but still really cool to see him. And it's kind of odd to see a, a Grummet cover now that we're kind of in the Raringo era and the next cover is a Raringo uh, cover. But what did you guys think of a 21's cover here? Uh, Playtime at Ninja Camp with uh, Robin here. Let's start with uh, Terrence. Oh, yeah, I love this cover. And even 22 has got a great cover, even if it's not Tom Grummet. It's so cool to see that Tom Grummet art. Um, and I'll just say this uh, over about this story arc. If they had made a Robin one hour TV show like this would be the perfect like yeah. episode like this oh, this has that feel of of a that one hour drama episode everything's kind of contained it has a little bit to lead like the overall arc of the series and it's just a lot of fun so yeah I'm looking forward to reviewing this with you guys uh, Ryan yeah it's it's like it's like one of those classic Chuck Dixon comics where you can just read a hundred of them and not get tired of it what's funny is like. The back of issue 21 says that Micro Ringo did the cover. <laughs> like they, I guess they attributed it to the wrong <laughs> yeah, person. Yeah. I was going to bring but, that up. Uh, but yeah, I love, I, I mean, this is as quintessential of a, of a Tom Grummet cover as you can get, right? Like <clears throat> with the Tim Drake mouth and he's just look, he looks so cool and got the, the toe boots and ninjas and yeah, it's pretty awesome. So. So shadows is the uh, title for this particular one. And I really like, <laughs> I really like the fluidity of the yeah. guys jumping around here. And what I think Raringo does very well in this is the panel layout and the panel breakage between the ninjas jumping from panel to panel or jumping down into another panel. Just even little parts of their outfits, maybe like the back of their, I don't want to say scarf, but their mask kind of going into the next panel. By the time this opening 
gets concluded, one of them ends up dying on the bottom of uh, page three, and then we're hurriedly rushed into page four, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But what did you guys think about the opening of Ringo's art with the ninjas and the introductory, like you said, the beginning of the episode, trying to figure out, like, hey, what's what's going on this if this was a TV show? Let's uh, start with Terrence. Ringo, I don't, I can't even say his full name, so I'm just going to say Ringo from here on out. <laughs> you know, he's very stylized. This was the era, mid-90s comics, where, you know, Image was taking off in Marvel, and it was that huge speculator boom, and there were a lot of artists trying to have really kind of unique kind of styles, a lot of them inspired by manga comics and, and Japanese comics. But his style like if you look at just one panel you'd be like oh these feet are too big or this hand is too big but when you're just reading it the fluidity as you said it it adds like motion and you you don't Mm. really kind of notice it It, it's more like oh it's big because it's coming at you and in distance and that kind of thing so yeah um his art did a really great job of setting the tone in the beginning here and then um the ninjas look pretty cool Uh, ryan yeah, what helps what the fluidity helps is it's not just artists, it's how the art helps the story flow and the way that the panels are laid out and everything. Like it it all works together the way it should. It makes sense. What you see here in the first few pages is something that we'll see repeated a lot through both of these issues. It's a lot it's a lot of it's a very action heavy couple of issues and there's a lot of internal monologue and narrator type stuff. Which is which is fine when you have art like this that is um dynamic enough to to sell that story. So so yeah, I mean another word you could use is like kinetic. There's even yeah. in the, even in the scenes on pages four through let's see what is that six? If I can see yeah, he does right. a good job selling at what could be easily be just a boring quote boring like dialogue scenes you know with normal people. Yeah, and you know Mrs. McElbain uh, walking into the room and seeing Ari in Tim's bed, and I had forgot that I'm like, why is she in the bed? And I remembered from the last issue that we had done that you know she was upset that her uncle was going to be selling and selling the store moving away so she yeah the end of the issue was like oh yeah what is she doing in the bed and so here's which is kind of a little comedy here it's kind of like monkey see monkey do type of thing tim's trying to put out the fire and walk walk out of the room and try to explain what's going on and who happens to be coming out of a room his dad and uh their trainer dana he's maybe wanting to chastise his son like what are you doing with a girl in your room and there's almost that moment of tim kind of being like what are you doing with the girl in the room but it's uh, chuck writes it in such a way that it's like neither one of them are going to talk about the thing that they should talk about they're just trying to explain and it's kind of deflecting uh what tim is doing and uh, ari's really quick to like this is my cue to get out of here and she's leaving and Dana is the one that's kind of like, well, maybe you should talk to your son. And so I thought it was just really interesting. And Mrs. McElbain's the one that's just probably like upset with the four of them. Like, do you realize the awkward positions that you're putting your, yourselves in with, you know, your son or your your father? So I just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the series at the top of the uh, steps. Let's uh, start with Ryan. Yeah, like I said, it's it's. The way it's written and the way the art is, it it, it makes it a, just a joy to read. You know what I mean? Especially when um, it's a fairly big moment in in their family life here. Like we we saw the the future of this when when we did a which was it the impulse issue impulse issue yeah had had, had a had had Dana more of a like they were engaged or something at that point right yeah or are they already married uh, I think they might be engaged. 
if, yeah, if so, I remember right. So I think this is the first time, like, in the series where all of a sudden, like, we know for sure that it's it's more than just a trainer or whatever and more of a flirtation thing. Um, so it's interesting to see that, especially with, with, with him and, and Dana, when we know wh- where things are going or could go with – uh, with Tim and Ariana, with her possibly leaving. Yeah. Uh, Terrence. Yeah, when I was reading this, I was like, wow, we haven't picked up the main Robin title for the podcast since the last time. It feels mm-hmm, like so long mm-hmm. ago where we left off mm-hmm. with that scene where she was in his bed. And they. the funny thing is, like, how did exactly she get into his bed? Did she climb in through the window when he was out as Robin? Because... I'm Apparently so. nobody let her in because they're all surprised to see her in the morning. Yet she, so she's breaking and entering. So the security at the Drake house or the Drake mansion is obviously terrible if they can just sneak <laughs> in at any time in the morning. But uh, it is it is really kind of a classic kind of funny uh, moment here where what are you doing with a girl? And then here comes his dad's girl, and it's like, oh well, yeah, I guess people in glass houses can't throw stones, kind of thing. <laughs> But um, it's, <laughs> what I love, and this will flow into where you're going next, is how the f- issue feels like in the next couple panels that this whole scene is actually a flashback of Robin retelling the story to Alfred. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that relationship yeah. with Tim and Alfred was was really cool in here. Yeah, I like how that kind of plays. And until you said that, I guess I really didn't think of about being like a flashback. And uh, I, I, that's probably one of my favorite things about this that Chuck still finds a way to bring in Alfred, if while not having to rely on Batman. Like, okay, this is a Robin book, so we need to force Batman in here. You've got that already kind of built in. The person that Tim can kind of talk to about this being Alfred and then, you know, of course, you know, Bruce does show up. So I was glad to kind of see them bring Batman in, but this doesn't have to feel like a conversation that has to be had with Batman because this wouldn't be something uh, that Tim would do. And yeah, you know, or, or Bruce would want to hear about, you know, he's not going to, or is able to hand, to talk about right, exactly. properly. And I, I, I think that's just a really cool that they've, they've got that kind of, that there is the Alfred character for uh, Tim to talk to, and they're not afraid to pull him in uh, to do so. Uh, the next few pages uh, are at the GCPD with uh, Commissioner Gordon being uh, Commissioner Sarah Essen Gordon. And I like how Chuck Dixon finds a way, not actually finds a way, is not afraid to have Robin be the one with the clue and the lead that Bruce doesn't have to go, oh, this is a classmate of yours, Tim. Uh, maybe you should take the lead on it. That, And I think the cool line that it says on 9 is where you know, Tim makes the O reference about one of the names that's dropped in the GCPD or the letter that Tim is reading. And Batman says, what was going on back there? He says, sorry, I let the mask slip for a second. I thought thought that was such a cool line referring to letting the mask slip, meaning I let my real personality come out in that moment. I wasn't Robin in that moment. I was Tim Drake. I was, I audibly made, you know, a noise about somebody that I know that could relate back to who I was. And Bruce didn't chastise him for it and is letting Tim take the lead 
on where this could potentially go. So I thought that was pretty cool. What'd you guys think about uh, the sequence here uh, of Tim finding out and then eventually uh, going uh, to the funeral? Let's start with uh, Terrence. Yeah, a few things. I love how they're keeping um, like consistent what the Gotham Police Department looks like. the The architecture outside it it's it's pretty cool how that is from book to book and the the whole Sarah Gordon um, story arc. How they just kind of touch upon it, but I love it. It's not like um like a Marvel book where they have to give you like all this like <laughs> just exposition <laughs> about like why Sarah's there and, and all that. And, you know, I'm an X-Men. I live in this house. I live in this house in New York for gifted people like me, blah, blah. You know, like it's just like if you're a fan and you've been reading it, you know what's going on. If not, then go buy the back issues. Um, and then I like how, yeah, Tim is the one responsible for like, picking up the lead, but yet he's still learning. He's still training. He doesn't do it quite perfect. So he didn't really blow his cover and completely like reveal who they are, but he didn't actually do it real smooth either. Uh, and then I do like the uh, funeral, the investigation. Uh, um, it shows the detective side of Tim. But then I also like how, you know, this is kind of a little, I don't know, uncomfortable, a little squirmy, like going to the guy's yeah. funeral, questioning the little sister to get information, but then I like how the the dialogue it, it's not over it's not overly done. But Tim says, "I hate myself for this." Like I thought that, I, was, I thought nice. that was just perfectly done. Like like sometimes you got to do what you got to do, but it's unpleasant. But it just it really worked really well. And then this whole like uh, Kung Fu Master Month uh, Kung, <laughs> Kung Fu Master Monthly <laughs> magazine, and then the ads underneath it to become a survivalist, and then there's one <laughs> "Learn to Eat Rocks!" exclamation <laughs> point. Like, it's hilarious. That that stuff you only find in a Chuck Dixon comic. It's just great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what do you got, Ryan? I mean, I thought this was like the perfect amount and balance of of having Batman in a, in this kind of a book because it's. Yeah, Batman like kind of gives Robin the lead, but it happens naturally, and none of it shortchanges Batman either. And I think that that's like really important and really skillful the way that Dixon kind of frames that in the story. And um, and it is interesting how Tim has to go to this funeral to get some more information about what's going on. And um, even that line, I hate myself for this. It, it it makes me think like that's the difference between like. Like Tim Drake, Robin, and Batman. Like Batman would do that no problem. Be like that's part of the mission. But you get to see some of Tim's uh, humanity and personality come out, and uh, I think that's cool. That's one of those things. that's like, yeah, that's Tim Drake. Hey, can I say I really like the way Ringo draws Batman in this book? Sorry, that was kind of oh, yeah. draws draws I, I, draws Batman. I I don't think <laughs> I would like it if this was the main Batman title. Like if this was Detective Comics exactly. or Batman, I'd yeah. be like, eh, I don't know. But in the Robin book with Robin with the two of them swinging on their bat pole or not? What is it? Swinging on the bat bat. What is bat this? rope? Bat rope. Oh, That's bat a, I can't <laughs> a rope. Oh, I, I, <laughs> It's only one of the world's oldest inventions. Uh, um, yeah, I'll learn it someday. Yeah, swinging on the bat ropes and all that stuff. It it looks really great, and it goes with Tim Drake. And I love how Ringo um, does Tim Drake's hair, where it's like floppy and over his oh, eyes yeah. and stuff. It's a perfect like sixteen year old stupid haircut that you look back and picture. Why did I have that haircut? Was, my kids do that with me. I didn't have the hair necessarily flopping over my eyes, but they'll look at s pictures of me and they'll be like, did you have a mullet? Is that a mullet? I'm like, what yes, it, it was a mullet. I loved it. Leave me what alone. It actually reminds, what it actually reminds me of is like, you know, the original 
uh, you know, 40s, 50s Robin hairdo. It had those two oh. little front curls. So yeah. this, to me, looks like a 90s updated version of that. Speaking of hair and updating, I got to say on page 18, I think it is. Oh, sorry, page 12. Ives looks a little bit more beefier than he normally is in just that one shot. He looks skinnier, but his jaw is nice and square and his hair is kind of flopped down over his glasses. So I don't know if he's getting tired of getting bullied. I, I think I'm just having a growth spurt, a growth spurt. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just the way uh, Ringo's drawing him, but the, the little action in here. And I love how Ives is talking about uh, Tim Drake, master of all martial arts and men will fear the iron weasel. I think that's kind of funny that, Tim could very easily go, yeah, I, I, I do know how to do all that stuff, you know, but playing it, playing it very uh, subtle. So we and the moved gra- through- grasshopper comment in there too. Is kind of oh nice yeah. The nod, grasshopper. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought grasshopper. that was yeah. a great nod. Uh, so this moves through 12 to uh, Robin looking for Dylan Carmichael, which I thought that was a really kind of cool hip name finding the uh, car and, uh, and I, what I really liked about this towards the end of the book, that Tim has found the ninjas as Robin, and he is going to go through and take them all out. And I'm glad that Dixon didn't write this, that Tim has met his match, and he is quickly going to get his butt kicked. He systematically takes out each and every one of them. But what I think is even cooler about this. And I had sent you guys a text message last night and I even tweeted about it (laughs) as I'm going through the inner monologue of Tim Drake and starting on the, so if you have your issues at home, go dig it out. You need to on page 17 of issue 21 written in night or 1996. It says, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to make it through this one. It shows a nice silhouette of Robin uh, kicking a couple ninjas across the room. I actually probably should start on the back. It says on page 16, these guys walk the walk, uh, turn the page, but it's not about form. It's about fluidity. <laughs> when, 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 I, when I read that last night, I took it over to my wife and I'm like, okay, you know how the three of us have been doing this dumb joke about fluidity and we fit it into every podcast. I said, did I subliminally put that in the back of my mind and my wife's like no you're not that smart i said that is cor- <laughs> i said that is i said that is correct so i want to get shirts done for the podcast and it says robin everyone loves the drake and the byline is going to be it's all about fluidity uh, yeah. that is the end of the show we're done there's nothing else to talk about the show like a stanza <laughs> we're going to go out on a high note <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, that's it for me. Here we go, everybody. What was that? What was that? Showmanship. George is trying to get out on a high. So hey, pretty much. So yes, I want to talk about you know Robin taking all the ninjas out, and I thought that was fine and cool. But just the word mention of fluidity, I found that incredibly hysterical and just fitting for the show. So I'll just let you guys discuss. Let's start with uh, Ryan. It's funny that we didn't think that the word fluidity would not come up at some point. I mean, it just, it just it turned into a joke, and I guess we yeah. just forgot about like, but but just the fact that you know, it's one guy. It's 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 
Chuck Dixon writing these books over and over again and us describing the panels and describing fighting, it makes sense that at some point the word fluidity <laughs> will come up. And it's just great that uh, it it happened now. I wonder if it'll come up again. Now we'll have to be on Fluidity Watch. Right, right. And uh and see if it happens again. I mean it always harkens back to my my favorite lines from Nightfall where Batman tells people what Batman is about. You know, it's about three things, speed, skill, and sense. Well, I guess Robin is about form and fluidity. A form yeah. and fluidity. <laughs> uh, Terrence. Yeah, you know, I have like no free time. But one of these days when I have some free time, I want to go back and re-listen to the podcast from the start and figure out when was the first mention of fluidity and how it mm, became. I think like, it was. I think you thing. mentioned it first, maybe. I, I feel yeah. like maybe I feel I felt like I was making fun of Rob for using like a big vocabulary word. Or I, something. I think so. I That's know. what I was yeah. telling my wife, and I was like, "Listen to Rob talk about fluidity." You know, and then yeah. I told her, she's like, is that even a word? And I'm like, you know what? I looked it up after we got done recording. <laughs> uh, I thought we sounded stupid that I made up a word. And I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a real word. And now I can say, Chuck Dixon's not dumb either, folks. He wrote it in this book. Uh, hello, everyone. A little punch into the episode here. I couldn't let this go by with having fluidity actually written in the pages of the Robin comic. I started sifting through the older episodes of the show, uh, like we were saying, wondering where we first used it. So we first used fluidity on March 28th, 2018, on episode 70 of the show while we were talking about Robin 16, and that was a Robin spoiler episode where she gets kidnapped, and you'll hear us talk a little bit about it. But I wanted you to hear the actual audio where I used the word so eloquently. I didn't know if I was using it correctly the first time, uh, but we used the word fluidity for the first time on the show. So I just wanted you to hear that and to kind of tie this whole thing together. Here you go. The shot I really like is on four where they flipped the bed over and, uh, the very first panel, like all these panels are kind of tilted to the side, the insert panels, which I yeah. think is really kind of cool. And the guy's looks like has blood coming out of his mouth from where the bed kind of came down on him. And the, the motion of them flipping up, I think, is really fluid. So just in these first few pages here, um, you know, the use of the smoke grenades. And uh, I love it when they draw Robin with the bow staff and... Uh, you had kind of swinging it around, kicking the guys and like sliding on the ground, just some really cool motion and, uh, uh, a fluidity through that. So that's kind of what you guys get impressions on the, the opening scene through, uh, four there. Uh, I just, Terrence. I, right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, when I, when I read this, I just thought that the, you know, like we were saying the the writing helps the flow in this early part. I mean, it's very fast paced. And once you get into the panels that, do different things that are outside of your standard, you know, square panels. It helps, like you said, the fluidity, but it reminds me a lot of like a, like a martial arts movie, like where they're using props in the, Mm -hmm. in the environment, in the scene to kind of block themselves off or put them in a strategic position or, you know, it's kind of a gag, right? Like Stephanie is like chained to this bed. And so they've got to pick up the bed, but they've got, they're going to use it to use it to their advantage to get out of this situation. It's something that I, this whole scene is something that I could see, happen in a in a very well like choreographed like you know martial arts movie or something and it's kind of fun like robin is jackie chan is what you're saying exactly exactly (laughs) yeah terrence i 
I liked your use of the word fluidity, Rob. That that word a day dictionary, uh, word I know. a day calendar. It's I, I got you for Christmas is working. Uh, <laughs> and my wife, every time I use a big word like that, she's like, "Who who told you how to say that word?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "Why did I use it wrong?" <laughs> and usually uh, I do. <laughs> So, the end of the book. Hey, uh, real quick. Um, when, when, uh, not to derail our great no, conversation no. with some boring minutia, but when um, Tim is with Ives in the the bookstore, and this guy comes over. What was his name again? It was uh, Rick uh, Carl Rannick, all right, yeah. Pride of Gotham Heights Varsity. And then he basically says something like, hey, if you, you want to, like, the Kung Fu stuff is, is garbage. And then he says, the only one way to cover your butt on the street, man. If you want my advice, I'm always there for you. See you around. It, it, does he come back later? Because I haven't read t- too much ahead in recent years. Is he part of, like, another story? Because then I thought, oh, he'll be at the ninja camp. But he's not, right? No, So he's I didn't not know if this was, like, camp. a story maybe about guns or some kind of mutant formula that turns you into monsters <laughs> he has. Or, but Dixon wouldn't put that in there and then just to, you know, it, it's got to come right. somewhere else. So we'll have to look for him later on. Yeah, yeah he can come I back later easily. Yeah, I don't remember him off the top of my head, but then again, I didn't remember the word fluidity was in this book either. So yeah. we can't go, we can't go by that. But yeah, like you said, Dixon loves to plant seeds for upcoming storylines. So I would I'd bet my bottom dollar that, and that sounds really old. Sorry, Grandpa, that uh, that character is going to come back around again. The end of Tim getting out as he was talking about, you know, fighting all of them that about being fluid and all that stuff that he quickly realizes it's almost essential when somebody's bringing a knife to a gunfight, the, the quickest thing you need to do is get out. So he had enough sense to, okay, these guys changed the script. Now they're using guns and he quickly gets out. The, the part that I like other than, you know, spoil the end, Tim's going to go to this ninja camp, but I like in the closing two pages on 20 and 21 that Jack and Tim are actually trying to have a real conversation, but Tim's got to take that real conversation about Ari and Dana and Jack and Dana are starting to get closer and things could be changing. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to replace your mother and, and Tim gets it. But unfortunately, like the funeral scene, Tim has got to do something he doesn't want to do. He's got to take this heartfelt moment with his dad and turn into like, well, I'm working on a case, and yeah, I'm really bummed about this. And you can make it up to me by taking me to ninja camp. So I've, Tim is constantly put in this place of having to do something, not begrudgingly, but I'm trying to have a moment with my dad, but I know I've got to follow this lead, and ninja camp seems to be where these ninjas are coming from, and he's got to get to the bottom of it. So I liked that conversation, but I also liked the way that Dixon wrote it, that Tim's got to do something kind of shady to his dad again while his dad is being very sincere. So what do you guys think about the uh, closing section of the book? Let's start with uh, Terrence. Yeah, this is going to sound dumb, but I liked how Tim was playing with the tennis racket and his dad catches the tennis ball. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was kind of like a Batman move on his dad. And it, I, I thought it was good, too, because it made his dad seem less like a bumbling kind of sitcom dad and actually like somebody who's got um, some some skill and some weight. Yeah. And it definitely has that early 60s Spider-Man feel of where it's not easy to be a superhero. And just because you have these powers, even though Tim mm-hmm. technically doesn't have superpowers, but he kind of does. 
but that doesn't solve all of your domestic problems. And you, you know, in some cases, it just makes it worse. And uh, that was, you know, the late great Stanley always talked about that with Spider-Man and his characters being human like that and having these problems that the readers could relate to. And, you know, I think a lot of people have that feeling where you're, you get pulled in lots of different directions and spread a little thin and can't always be there a hundred percent for everything and everybody. And, uh, I think that was done really well, but yet it's only like a page. It's like half a page on 20 and half a page on 21. So it's not like, Oh my gosh, 15 pages of a heartfelt right. you know, <laughs> thing with his dad, like, like some comics might be. So it was the perfect amount. Oh, Ryan. Yeah. It's like, Again, it, it's, it speaks to the strengths of Chuck Dixon being able to fit so much in a 22-page book or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, in a lot of ways, we've, we've said this before, that Tim Drake is a lot like, like the Spider-Man of DC Comics in the fact that he's, he is a teenager. He is younger. He, is, he does have a, a real family, and he's got to b- juggle that and balance that with his life as a, as a superhero. And, um, and the Robin series is obviously one of the, the, be- the best spot to kind of explore that kind of stuff. And so it is kind of interesting to see yet another instance of where Tim has to kind of manipulate the situation and kind of uh, be Robin. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a look at Robin 22, the second and final part of this little Chuck Dixon uh I want to keep saying miniseries. This is what it kind of feels like. You had mentioned it before with uh, the cover for 22. I like this cover a lot with uh, Ringo drawing it. And I love the perspective of which it's kind of the inverse uh, later on in the book. But the ninjas coming down from the trees uh, and attacking Robin with their Wolverine-like claws. And uh, the look of Tim's face as he's trying to gain some ground on the ninjas. And I like all of the green and uh, dark shading that's in this. And the Robin logo really looks like it's kind of lit like a sign. So I think I love this cover. Uh, what'd you think about 22's cover? Yeah, it's a fantastic cover. Cause you feel like you're in the trees with these ninjas looking over their shoulder as they're descending down upon Robin. And he looks kind of so small in, in the cover. Normally covers have the main character just like huge and larger than life. And it is a good metaphor for the issue where he's surrounded by these ninjas because he's going right into their heart of their camp all alone, surrounded by them. So it's uh, it, it's like fitting metaphor, but not an exact like, yeah. this is what you're going to see in the issue. But it's true to kind of what is in the issue, which I hate covers sometimes that like, you're like, wait, why is this cover on this book? Because the two have nothing to do <laughs> right. with each other. And this actually really fits. So I, I think that's pretty good. We were talking about, and now I'm going to use the word fluidity all the time in this uh, episode, just because it was in the last issue. Can you believe it? Okay. I know. So <laughs> I love how you know, we heard Dixon, you know, in episode 51, if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. That And even Terrence is really good at saying, Dixon always starts every issue off your you're in an action beat already. So you're getting all the ninjas kind of jumping at screen and you're like, Oh, it looks really cool. They're getting ready to fight. But then you start looking at the image and like, it looks like they're holding wooden swords and there's a cloud of dust and you kind of see them jumping over or at something. So when I was reading this going, I, I don't really remember this. And I quickly realized, Oh, that's right. We're at the ninja camp. Cause the last issue ended with the leader of the ninja camp. Uh, that we didn't talk about, but uh, one of the ninjas that Tim had punched in the face is the leader of the ninja camp. So he's got the shiner around his eye still. And then you see the ninjas attacking kids at this ninja camp. And I was like, wow, what a, 
what a really aggressive way to start. And they really kind of pick on Phil. Is it drag dragon cat Parsons is who runs the ninja camp. And he's quickly like belittling these kids like, Oh, you're fat, you're weak. You know, you're, you're a punk, you're nothing. And that's a good motivation for these kids. And we see the earring and a slick back hair and the little goatee on Tim Drake that, you know, he probably tried to, grow this uh, goatee probably took him a month and a half to try and grow just a little stubble <laughs> to get to the camp, which I thought was uh, kind of funny and uh, in good Tim Drake fashion, he befriends uh, one of the kids here and realizes that he's asthmatic. And uh, the kid ends up saying, my parents wanted me to lose weight. And I picked this place. Tim says, why? So I thought it was cool than telling everyone I went to summer at a flab away, which I thought was really kind of funny. So what'd you think about the uh, opening with uh, Tim infiltrating this uh, camp and then just their ninja routines uh, that they're going through? Yeah. So it it's kind of like, we didn't really talk too much about it, but at the end of 21, it ends with, you see the person running the camp, Master Philip quote, dragon cat, unquote, Parsons. (laughs) And you might as well call this like Camp Cobra Kai. And I I can't remember who the, uh, what his name was in Karate Kid, but the the person who ran Cobra Kai. But it, it, it basically is that, you know, and I love it. It's awesome. You know, and you, you expect all those Cobra Kai things like mercy is for the weak. You know, this is, this is that camp, you know, like yes. it is, it is pretty awesome. Kind of taking it up right here. When you open, you see the cover and, you know, Robin's surrounded by these ninjas, you know, attacking him. So then when you open the cover, you almost feel like these are the ninjas jumped out of the tree coming to get him. So you feel like you're right in the thick of it, but then you see they're just kind of beating up the campers and and you know giving them the initiation here uh and so it, it was kind of a cool little twist but it is a good way to kind of introduce like all right tim's undercover he's um, got like a fake tattoo and got the, the stubble <laughs> going and everything and you know he's some of the people here are not really like "Quote unquote ninja material." There, you know, like <laughs> here as an alternative to Fat Camp, and right. um, the ninjas are not very nice to them. But um, it is kind of a, a, it's kind of a fun sort of mirror to the training that Bruce Wayne went through, and you know, climbing up this mountain in Tibet to <laughs> to be in a den right. of ninjas. And here in suburban uh, Gotham City, the <laughs> here's here's what ninja camp is like. So I guess if Bruce Wayne's parents hadn't been shot in the crime alley and he had been growing up and thought, you know, I kind of have an affinity towards this martial arts. This is the camp the Waynes would have sent young Bruce Wayne to, as opposed to <laughs> searching the world and <laughs> right. climbing with that blue flower up the mountain. Yeah. Now what this camp also is doing with how this ties into the story is that this is where they're doing this ninja camp to the ninjas that are going around stealing stuff and breaking and entering they're finding like the cream of the crop in from these ninja camps of like, all right, most of these kids aren't going to mount to a hill of beans, but we might find somebody out of this that can join our gang, be part of our, our team of ninjas that are going to go around and start stealing stuff. So this is where Tim realizes that, okay, this is the front for these ninjas and one of them has died. So he's putting all that together and I'm trying to remember uh, the kid here. And I, oh, uh, speaking of names, I like how that Tim is using the name Alvin Draper, which he has <laughs> yeah. used uh, once before, which I thought was really funny. But that's the, like uh, his matches Malone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 
I thought that was really good. The, the kid that has the asthma, Ninja Instructor has almost given him like the death blow, and Tim's not going to waste anymore. He jumps up from uh, the top and totally clocks the uh, Ninja Instructor right to the ground and uh, bashes him on the back of the skull, and he kind of looks all oppressive towards the other kids, and then that's kind of going to give him the in into being part of the quote-unquote, the, the ninja gang. Uh, that does get... I like some of the dialogue, too, of oh the, the ninja master. When he, he takes down two guys, he takes down the kid. As he's laying on the ground <laughs> with tears coming out of his eyes, he yells over him, What are you doing, fatso? Are you crying? <laughs> and then so Tim stands up for him and says, Kyle has asthma he needs. And then he says, Did I ask you a question, Draper? <laughs> you know, ninjas don't cry. Flabby real men don't cry. You can't take it, can you? And that's where, can you, tubby? And that's where Tim. Uh, Teaches him a lesson there. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I thought uh, that was great. And it's – this almost seems like you said, this almost seems like this is something in Karate Kid. I think the guy's name was uh, Kesser or Kessel or something like that. We get a quick little moment with Ari and oh, Tim. Oh, hey, before you do that, I yeah. just wanted to say, too, I love, too, how it's almost like Tim loses control because he, he, he just – you know, when he yells at him – the dialogue Tim says is like, next thing I know, I'm in the air. Almost like he didn't even plan it or like he just, yeah. his, his muscle memory, his reflexes took over. Then he, he kicks him in the face and says, things get blurry from here. <laughs> here. <laughs> and the guy is down, but he gives him like an extra elbow to the back of the head. And his, Tim's line is, but I'll always remember the sound of Phil's nose hitting the hard word, hard wood. Hard wood. And, yeah. and then, then he kind of comes to and realizes, oh, bad move. And then you see the asthmatic kid with his inhaler. <laughs> it's just great stuff. But, but I love that how he, he's still a kid. Like he just loses kind of control. And then he realizes after like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. But yeah. And, and then he has that moment with Ari. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. another like letting the mask slip moment. Like he's in disguise. He's probably not supposed to know as much karate as he let on. And he just air kicked this crane, kicked the instructor down to the ground. who was just beating a tar out of everybody else. And like the whole bad move line is like, wow, that was something that I, I should, should not have done. And now he's got to play coy with it. Like we said, we have the uh, little meeting, phone conversation with Ari where Tim is really trying again, trying to salvage this relationship and not wanting her to move away. And he has to cut the phone conversation short. And so I don't know if it's one of those that Tim calls her and said, Hey, here's my number. I'm at this ninja camp and it's kind of a last minute, but call me is really hoping that like, how long are you planning on staying here, Tim? And I guess he probably really didn't know at this point, how long, if it's going to be two days, three days, but can you, can you call me at this? number but he has to quickly get out of there so tim just really can't seem to get his love life going at any point but like you were saying it's that peter parker you know spider-man like he's trying to juggle everything he's trying to juggle the hero trying to juggle the boyfriend juggle the son all in one shot and not get himself killed so this is the this is the part of the book i think goes really pretty quick here is Tim getting initiated or getting asked to join the gang. The kid from Tim's school is getting ready to walk in the door. But what I think is even really kind of cooler that Tim or that uh, Chuck puts in here is where they're sitting around the table or uh, sitting on the floor, going to have some beers. And Tim wants to have like a soda. 
You know, he's not going to go full in. But not Tim- just any soda. Yes. He wants a zesty. A zesty, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> like that, how does that not blow his cover right there? Like, you know, yeah. You want a brute? No, I'll have a zest. I'd rather have a zesty. Like, <laughs> oh, wait, are you sure you're not a millionaire from the suburbs posing? <laughs> but, right. So he says, uh, I can't believe a stroke of luck. I'm not forgetting that this creepers who's the one that uh ronnie skip killed so this is the guy that uh, didn't pull ronnie up from the ledge that he was the ninja that had died and had gone to the funeral and then this is where dylan walks into the room and hoping that he doesn't recognize tim in his disguise and part of uh, tim's initiate uh, excuse me initiation is to basically run bare th- barefoot through the woods at night and if he can survive the ninja's attack or uh, prove himself worthy, then he will be asked to you know join the gang. This is kind of like, how long can I play this line? But luckily, Tim has put a costume out there ahead of time and proceeds to beat all of the ass, if I can say that, uh, with the ninjas. And again, this is a beat where I'm glad that Dixon is writing to show how skillful Tim is, how he can take everybody down. And it's not a last minute decision that Tim barely escapes with his life, that Dixon really writes Tim as a strong fighter and he can take out each of these ninjas very well and uh, does it very effectively. And just the dialogue and the thought balloons or the thought squares that are in here, I think really sell these series of panels where he's talking about, you know, he's the best of the bunch. He's the fastest and the meanest. And he outweighs me nearly a hundred pounds, but I know his weakness that he can be the master tactician, just like Bruce taught him. So I thought that was really cool that he plays Tim to that strength. And even though Tim is still learning, he makes Robin be the hero of the story, as opposed to at the end, getting all bloodied and bruised, and he barely won. So what do you think about the uh, the fight in the woods? Yeah, you know, what's intriguing to me is the one female ninja. Like, she was at the end of the last issue, and yes. then she's in this issue, but they never really explain who she is or why she's there or, or like, why she's the only female. I also thought it was kind of interesting that the fight in the woods is, is really great art and some really great fight scenes. And it moves really fast, so it doesn't feel tedious at all. And it does harken back to the cover where you're like, oh, wow, that's really what happens in the the cover. I did think it was interesting that Tim puts on his Robin costume to do this, where I guess is that could blow his cover, but then he's also undercover as the other guy, so I'd maybe it won't lead back to him. So I I feel like maybe the Robin costume might have been more just for the artwork to make it look cool. So like people aren't like, well, there's, you know, all these fight scenes with, you know, some random teenage kid, but yeah, it, that's just kind of nitpicking. And, you know, for the artwork, I guess I'd probably rather see pages of Robin than out of costume. So, you know, it all works. And, um, it kind of takes the ninjas on one by one and you, fe- you get the feeling like these ninjas are kind of way below his normal, yeah. opponent's level and that he is you know far superior training than these people and he takes them all down pretty easily so i do kind of like that where it did feel very natural in the the fighting skills and i do love the end where he beats the last ninja 
And uh, he says, remember, ninjas don't cry as he's standing yeah. over them. I thought that was really good. And then the last kind of two pages, the ending, I, I thought was another like kind of good way to wrap up the story. Yeah. And I, I like the moment. I'm really hoping that Kyle kind of shows up, that maybe Tim Drake gets to meet Kyle at some point. I, I don't think so, but I think this would be a nice supporting character for the book. Yeah, so the issue ends really quick, quickly to wrap this up with the Drazinskos, with Jack Drake telling his son that the Drazinskos sold their store and they're moving out next week. So then that's where kind of the underworld starts. So with an underworld event, we'll probably get just a little bit of that, but it probably won't be till 25 or 26 since the event thing is going on. But I, what I like about the Robin books, when the, the event happens, it's not as overly contained as part of the narrative. It's like, oh, this is what Tim Drake's doing. So uh, final thoughts for you on uh, these two issues before uh, we get out of here and get uh, Ryan's thoughts. Yeah, uh, just real quick, the the wrap-up. It looks like Robin called the police at night, and then the police found lots of stolen stuff. Right. Um, and then the campers all get picked up by their parents. It's kind of funny. It's kind of fun at the end where Tim is talking to the kid with asthma and says, hey, you got nine months to talk your parents out of camp, and he gets picked up by his dad and Dana here, So, and they see his look. He's like, oh, it's a joke. But what shocks me is, okay, this is issue 22, and when you turn the page, the letter column is still called just Robin. <laughs> it's like, yes. They, by 22 issues, three miniseries, and what, three or four annuals, they still have not come up with a name for the letter column. And then when they do come up, I think it's, was it, Round Robin? Round like, Robin, Really? Yeah. It took that long to come up with that? So, because um, I know our next issue that we're going to look at, we're going to look at Catwoman 25. And when I looked at that, at least her letter column was called copycats. And yeah. it's got this kind of cool image drawn, obviously by Jim Belent, but with where she's like ripped open a mailbox and she's reading the letters with some cats and stuff. And I was like, Oh, cool. Yep. Robin. Nope. Just take the logo from the front of the book, slap it on the back. And here right. we go. So yeah. <laughs> All right. What are your thoughts there, Ryan? I think Terrence said it best when we were talking about 21 in terms of like both of these issues feeling like the perfect like one hour Robin show or if it was an animated series it'd be like a, a two-parter you know it's it features Robin front and center but you've got all these other really great like cameo moments between you know bat with you've got Batman and Alfred in it but you also have good heartfelt moments with his family and there's like the framing device of of what's going to happen with Ariana at the beginning and the end of the book. And then he does like a one and done mystery get, they get solved with the ninja camp, like during the middle of it. And it just, it's a good showcase for the character. And again, it's a Chuck Dixon, two comics and it's just, it's just a lot of fun to read. And it's, you can just, you could hand the, both these issues to anybody that's, that might not be familiar with Tim Drake and they, you know, they'd get it. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for us for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year to everyone. This is the first official episode recorded in 2019 and the start of Tim Drake's 30th anniversary, which is basically going to be normal podcasting for us since we do a podcast all about Tim Drake. So we'll have some other stuff coming up throughout the year. So stay tuned and we will see you guys in a few weeks. Take care.
Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Nobody sees, so nobody